7.05 on your Wednesday evening. And to get a hold of Lior, well, talk to him on the air as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. And his own number is 416-216-5900. And you want to send us an email, we'll get a few of those over the course of the hour. And that is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get into uh, the topic of termination of employees on disability leave. This is always a touchy one. First of all, we always start every week, my friend, with the week that was. That's right, John, and uh, good evening and welcome to all our listeners. We are here to talk about employment law, workplace rights. So give us a call if you're listening, if you wanted to know about uh, what your rights are in the workplace. Can your employer do something? If you're a business owner, can your employees do something? Uh, this is the show, this is the time. And we'd like to start off with talking about a couple of situations that I saw that I dealt with uh, this week. So let's uh, let's do that. Uh, the first situation uh, I told, uh, I'll tell you about, I got a call from a, a lady uh, that was you know, very upset, very emotional uh, when she called me. And she says, listen, Lior, uh, over the past uh, year or so, I've been subject to you know, repeated harassment, mistreatment by my, my, my boss, who was also mm-hmm. the company owner, owner of the company. Uh, and it's gotten so bad now that I'm seeking uh, medical help. You know, I have anxiety. I have a hard time sleeping, and I dread going to work in the morning. What can I do? Now, we've had some calls like that even on the show yep. before, and the first thing I always ask is, well, can you prove it? Can you show, in fact, what these, this employer has done to you? Is there a way to corroborate what you just told me? And she says, well, actually, there is. I have a lot of emails from him uh, that, that shows the way he treats me. So she sent me a bunch. And man, let me tell you, John, I mean, they were just oozing, just oozing of sarcasm, these emails. You know, things such as, uh, uh, you know, good job, clap, clap, clap. Or uh, calling her, uh, uh, are you really that dumb? I mean, just wow, terrible, really? terrible things and things that just really would obviously insult someone, make them feel really, really bad. And there was email after email after email that I, I've never seen anything like that before. So I called her back after I reviewed those emails and I told her, well, the good news is you now can establish a poison work environment. Mm-hmm. You no longer have to continue working in that environment. You can leave. We can extract you from that uh, workplace and still get you your full severance. Remember, John, an employer cannot make an employee work in a poison work environment. An employer has an obligation to maintain a respectful, a productive, a supportive work environment. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't happen, if the work environment becomes poisoned, the employee could treat that as a constructive dismissal, leave and get their full severance. Of course, the only issue always in these situations is proving it. In this case, she had no problem proving it. Now, she's a uh, a six-year employee. She probably is looking at eight to nine months of compensation that she's going to get. So she was very relieved, mainly that she doesn't have to go into work anymore. Oh, for sure. That there's an alternative. I can only imagine how stressful this has been for her. Uh, And again, a lot of our listeners may be in that situation right now as well. When they're in in a tough, poisoned work environment, well, there is hope. There is something you can do about it. If you're ever in that situation, give me a call. What else you got? And the second situation, uh, very different. A gentleman had worked, uh, that that I spoke with this week, uh, had worked under a uh, fixed-term contract. He was actually hired on a four-year employment agreement. So he was going to be working for four years. Except what happened is about six months into that agreement, the company decided to let him go. So when I first spoke with the, uh, with the gentleman, that was a few weeks ago, I said, well, listen, this is a four-year contract. You were let go after six months. They have to pay you the balance of the contract. Three and a half years, Three right? and a yeah. half years. Uh, and he couldn't believe it. I only worked for six months, and I, I, I'm going to get three and a half years pay. I said, absolutely. 
So he contacted the company himself and they said, well, my lawyer's telling me you owe me three and a half years pay. They said, you're crazy. Your lawyer's crazy. You know, we'll give you a week's pay, maybe two weeks pay. You've only worked for six months. So he came back to me and I sent the company a letter. I said, "Uh, no, you do owe him three and a half uh, years pay. Well, what do you think happened uh, literally two days after this, this past week? The company writes back and says, come back to work. Come on, really? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, on second well, thought. Well, they figured if we have to pay this guy three and a half years, pay may as well get him to do some work, right? And he was actually delighted by that because he'd much rather uh, work and much rather have that on his resume, etc. So he actually went back to work. But the lesson here is if you're working on a fixed-term employment arrangement, if your uh, engagement, if your employment is only for a certain fixed, steady period of time, and if that, the employer, the company lets you go before, they end the relationship before that, they have to pay the balance of the contract in most of these cases. Uh, so you may have only worked for a month in your one-year contract. If the employer lets you go, unless there's cause, they'd have to pay the, fu- the remaining 11 months. And that's what happened for this gentleman. Ever a situation where that doesn't happen? They can get out of it? Only if the employment agreement is explicitly allows for early right. termination and provides what the employer would have to pay in that situation. So some uh, agreements say that. If it doesn't say that, if it simply says your end date is in June 2018 and you're let go today, the employer still has to pay you until June 2018. The employer was right, though. You're crazy, kind of. Yeah. I, I just, am just crazy. Just in some ways. But, but not because of that. We'll take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. 416-216-5900 and Lior at com. This is the Employment Hour. Talk Radio AM 640. Seven fourteen Employment Hour. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Lior's number anytime, 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. I want to talk about termination of employees on disability leave. Uh, describe a common situation. Well, John, uh, there's a, a couple of common situations, actually. Uh, one of them is uh, simply a situation when someone needs to go on a leave, on a disability leave, and the employer is giving them a hard time about about it says well you, you don't you don't get to go we, you don't have enough information to to back it up mm. uh, we don't believe you're sick uh, if you go for longer than a week or two weeks or a month we're going to let you go all of that is illegal uh, and we'll talk about that more so when if an employer does that employer is not allowed to do that as long as a doctor backs up the the, the leave uh, the other common situation probably more common is an employee was on a disability leave and now wants to come back to work either on a, on a full-time basis or on some sort of a modified basis, and the employer won't allow them. The employer either says, we're not going to take you back, or we cannot accommodate your, right. uh, uh, your, your restrictions. So the common situations, common problems happen at the beginning of the leave when someone wants to go on a leave, or at the end of it when uh, a, a, an employee wants to uh, come back. And remember, the legal obligations are very strict here. An employer does have to allow an employee to take a medical leave of absence, irrespective of the length, and they have to allow them to come back and to accommodate them, to provide accommodation, even if it means modifying work duties, giving them different hours, uh, being flexible with uh, work arrangements to allow them to integrate back into the workplace. Does an employee on disability leave get severance even though they're not able to work? So if an employee is on a disability leave uh, is let go uh, and you know they can't work, they get the exact same amount of severance that they would had they continued working. So the employer doesn't get to say, well, you weren't working anyway, so we're not going to have to pay you severance. Nonsense. They cannot do that. Absolutely not. 
The other thing to remember is if an employee on a disability leave is let go, that could be a human rights issue. Right. Uh, because if you're letting someone go because they're on a disability leave or because you don't want to accommodate them, that is illegal. That is a human rights violation, which may entitle the individual to significantly more compensation. How about those on mat leave? Yeah. Well, well, women anyway, not everybody, obviously. No? <laughs> no. Have you not taken a mad leave? Apparently no? not. No? <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, with respect to a mad leave, again, very similar situation on a mad leave in that an employee uh, that's on a mad leave is entitled to their job back, is not cannot be penalized, cannot be mistreated, discriminated uh, because they took a mad leave, and they have an explicit legal right to their job back at their old compensation with their old duties. And if that doesn't happen, if the employer decides they're not going to do that, the employer has some serious explaining to do. <laughs> not only is it severance that's owed, potentially there's human rights issues there as well. And, and that happens often. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got uh, Brian in St. Catharines. Good evening, Brian. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, pal. You got a question for Lior. Go ahead. I do. Uh, so what's happened is actually we were working for a franchise, medical company, and I had a guy working with me, service guy. When the franchise they were going to sell, corporate decided they were going to take over. Okay. Now what's happened is is they took over, they told the franchisee um, to give two-week notice to all employees and then hire whoever they wanted back. Right. They hired this gentleman back for, uh, I guess, about three, four weeks because this just happened, well, yeah, about five weeks now. And um, they walked in the other day and walked him out. So he ended up working for the corporate uh, company for a few weeks and then he was let go. Now, and how- we were told it was a, the three-week probation period on our signed contract for employment. So when you when you started with the, the, the corporate uh, company, there was an employment agreement that was signed? Yes. With them. Okay, got it. And how long did he work there before with the, uh, with the franchisee? Uh, I think he was probably about six months. Six months. Okay. So this all comes down to the explicit terms of the agreement that he signed with the corporate company. Uh, if it if it allows the employer to do what they've done. Now, by the way, he still would be entitled, even in this situation, to at least a week's pay. But if it doesn't properly limit his entitlements, and I know you believe that it does, but I'd like to see to, to assure myself that it does. If it doesn't properly limit his entitlements, he could be entitled to two, three, four months pay uh, even though he was only with the corporate company for a few weeks because his previous service, the one with the franchisee, counts. So okay. the best advice I can, I can give you right now is have him contact me. I'd like to see the agreement that he signed when he started. And yeah, then at a minimum, he's out a week. What's that? Each, uh, each one of us had a different uh, contract that was given to us. Right. So in his situation, I'd like to see his. Uh, yep. And at the minimum, he's owed a week's pay, potentially several months' pay, and it's all going to come down to that agreement. That's the linchpin. Is that uh, that agreement that he signed, right? Yeah. And we talked about this on the show before. Oftentimes, an employment agreement, a contract of employment, can significantly limit your future severance. So you want to be very careful about what you sign. We'll get to another phone call. Got uh, Matthew here in Toronto. Good evening, Matthew. How are you? Good evening, Leo. How are you today? Doing great. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I had a question. I've got a colleague, work colleague, that's been told he's going to be laid off. Yes. Our companies are doing cuts, like um, doing cuts. So he's been told he's going to be laid off. Now, he's been with the company for 35 years. Wow. And they offered him one week per year at Severance. <laughs> now, part of a union or no union? Yes, he is part of a union. So that, that's the problem right there, and an important call, because if he wasn't part of a union, he'd be owed two years' pay. 
part of a union, well, very different situation. Uh, unfortunately, there's nothing that he can really do. His entitlements would be governed by the uh, collective agreement, which probably does provide for uh, uh, a week's pay per year of service. He, sh- okay. he should talk to his union to confirm that that is the case. And even if it's not the case, the only one that can help him is the union. So it's unfortunately, it's bad news. We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah. Unionized employees, different rules apply. And when it comes to termination of employment, if you're part of a union, you're going to get a fraction, a tiny small fraction than what you would otherwise be getting. This guy, 35 weeks instead of two years pay, yeah. huge difference. Have you ever come across, I know you don't work in the union environment, but have you ever come across a situation where the union, it's close to what it should be in the in the, in the Private sector? Never. Wow. Uh, absolutely not. It's always a small fraction. And remember, you know, you said that I don't work in the union environment. It's, it's, I don't. You're right. Except it's not that I don't want to or uh, that I choose not to. You can't. It's that I cannot. Right. I am not able, not just myself, no lawyer is allowed or able to represent a unionized employee. It has to be the union. And a lot of people listening to us say, well, wait a second. What if the union doesn't want to help me if they're not doing a good job? Unfortunately, you still are stuck with yeah, the union. You're SOL, my friend. You, Big you, time. you kind of are. You yeah. live and die by the union. So uh, in those situations, not much we can do. Take a break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Lior's number is well outside of the show hours. 416-216-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com for an email. We'll try to get to some of those uh, this hour. We will return as well to our conversation on termination of employments on disability leave. First, I'll go to the phones as always. Top priority, John in Mississauga. Good evening. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yeah, I do actually. I don't know how much it's related to it, but uh, I work for this company and we're not a non-union environment, non-union company. And uh, apparently our safety record hasn't been very good. I guess Long story short, the Ministry of Labor has walked in, and according to our company, they demanded us senior people to be signing these papers to say that we are accountable, responsible for the people that are below us type of thing. And uh, I don't agree with it because, you know, if the company is not going to provide proper training and give these people enough time to train, well, I don't feel that I should be accountable, responsible for these guys if they have some kind of a death wish or anything like that. Why should I have to be responsible? Well, first of all, uh, John, someone is not telling you the truth, I assure you. Uh, The Ministry of Labor is not going to come in and require an employee to sign a document assuring the safety of another employee. That, that's nonsense. The only one that's responsible for the safety of employees is the employer. So maybe it's this, this is the employer trying to uh, you know, take their responsibility and put them on you and your, and your colleagues. So, that, so that's nonsense. I mean, all I can tell you is you shouldn't sign something like that. It's, it's ridiculous. In fact, I can tell you 14 years I've never heard anything like this. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see exactly uh, what it is. Maybe it's I'm not understanding exactly what it is. But you don't want to take on... Saying, yes. It's basically saying that us, the senior people in the company that I have... Uh, I've been there 27 years. Yes. And I have, I'm not even a supervisor. I have a supervisory role, if you'd like. Uh, Because I have like four or five people that are uh, working with me, like as part of my team, uh, apparently I am responsible for them. No, no, and you're absolutely not responsible for them. You're responsible for yourself, and you're responsible for if you see any safety issues to report them to your employer or to the Health and Safety Committee. 
but you're not responsible for anyone. You do not want to sign something that says that because otherwise, you know, you may be incurring liabilities that you wouldn't otherwise have. It could be a big deal. So you cannot, should not sign something like this. Maybe you want to contact me after, send me a copy of it so I can see exactly what it is. But I assure you, it's not from the Ministry of Labor. If, even if he signs something like that, even if somebody under his, his team or his, uh, his group that he mentioned got hurt, it wouldn't hold legal water. Would it? It, it wouldn't hold legal water, but it's a dispute he wouldn't want to be part of. And, and right. I mean, why sign something like that? It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's the employer's responsibility to ensure safety of the employees. No one else's, and they can't give that responsibility to someone else. It's their responsibility. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, talking about termination of employees under or at least on disability leave. So if, if there is severance involved, how is severance calculated for someone on leave? So first of all, when we calculate severance from someone on leave, we have to understand that the time they spend on a disability leave counts towards their service. So if you've worked for five years and then you had to go on a disability leave and you've been on it for the last year, you are now a six-year employee. Wow. So when we calculate your entitlements, we look at your full length of service, uh, including the time on a leave. We then will look at the other usual factors, which is also the length of employment and the type of job. Remember, the longer you work, older you are, and the more senior a position, the more you're owed. But when it comes to uh, employees on a disability leave, if you're let go on a disability leave, we're going to look at something else as well. Are you able to look for work? Are you able to work? Mm -hmm. If you're not able to work yet then, or you're not in a, a physical condition to be looking for work, that's going to increase your severance because it's going to take you longer to find another job, presumably, than if you're perfectly healthy and able to look for work. So an employee on a disability leave that's let go gets more severance, all things being equal, than a healthy employee. Right. That said, remember, an employee on a disability leave cannot be let go, cannot be let go if, in fact, they're let go because of the disability. If it's one of those things where the department is shut down. No choice. No right? choice. Everyone's mm -hmm. let go. Fine. But you know what? I think uh, you're not going to come back or I'm not happy you're on a disability leave or I don't want to have to worry about accommodating you, so I'm letting you go. That's illegal. That's a human rights violation. An employer cannot do that irrespective of how much severance they're willing to pay. More of your calls coming up. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'll continue with the Employment Hour right up until 8 o'clock. Yeah, Lior's number locally as well, 416-216-5900 anytime, and Lior at employmenthour.com. Like to get to our phone calls right away in this show. Got uh, BJ here in Toronto. Good evening, BJ. How are you? I'm good. Good. You got a question for Leo? Go ahead. Uh, Leo, uh, I think I sent you an email, uh, uh, I think uh, four days ago. Okay. It was on Saturday. I hope uh, you have that in front of you. Because no, I, I don't have uh, emails in front of me right now. But what, okay. what's your question? My question was right now. I have a manager which is causing me a lot of stress and anxiety and making, making me mental breakdowns previously and this time as well. It yes. happened for the last three years. And I am on, currently on short-term disability. Uh, and I will be going to gradual. And the HR declined to change that manager. Okay. Uh, even I requested them to change the manager or change my my position to any other location so i won't be working under that gentleman that person yes uh, but uh, they are not doing it and uh, it makes me very anxious because my health is uh, um, getting uh, i'm getting 
very much anxious, stressed. So what, what exactly has, has uh, this manager done? Uh, what kind of behavior was it that, that put you in this situation? Yeah, I think that's why, okay, so this was, I mean, the, what happens that, uh, first of all, I don't know, that gentleman tries to put me on performance, and then he could not do, do anything, then he tried to put me under, he tried to harass me and make a case against me so he can, I don't know why he, that gentleman is doing, but I was doing performing very well. Right, but when but, you say harass, how was he harassing you? Give me an example. Miss, let's say, giving giving me an, um, let's say, uh, combining with the HR, giving me a, a notice that you violated uh, something uh, under the policy guidelines of the corporation, but eventually and find out that I did not do that. Okay. And and they have to take it take it back. But uh, it took like one one hour. So and next time when and the same thing trying trying like any customer complaint or anything, try to make it bigger uh, and just put on that. So and with the HR, try to see that if they can. Put, give me notice. Suspend. This time, actually, they suspended me, and I, I fought back. And the lower HR, the district HR, could not do anything. I have went to senior HR. They threatened me actually that if you don't follow the order, right. then we we gonna we gonna we gonna treat you as a case of insubordination. I reluctantly has to do it because. Um, that's not the so case. So, BJ, I but, think I have, I have a sense of your situation. Let me give you uh, my thoughts here. Ultimately, it comes down to whether you can establish that this employer has created uh, what we call a poisoned work environment, that they're, yeah. they're targeting you, that they're uh, treating you unfairly, that they're giving you improper discipline. So in other words, it's not enough to show that, well, they gave me a performance review that's negative. You have to show that they did that in an arbitrary way for no reason, really on purpose, to maybe to get you to quit. If you can prove that, uh, and I think it's going to be tough, honestly, BJ, then you may be able to say this is a constructive dismissal. I can leave and still get my full severance. The concern I have is a lot of what you describe is very subtle. It's not a situation where you can say, you know, they, they called me a piece of this or a little that. I do, I do have all the proofs. Okay, no, that's good. So if you have the proof. I do, I do have all the record. I do all the communication. Right. Uh, with the, and I do have all the proofs of what they did. Mm-hmm. and what was wrong, and all the communication, most of the communication I have with me. So what I'd want to see, I'd want to see it myself. I'd want to, you know, it has to be one of those things that if I look at it, not knowing too much about you and your workplace, it has to be obvious to me that you were harassed, that you were mistreated. If, if you can show me that, you may have an excellent case uh, for compensation. How long have you worked for the company? Over nine years. And uh, what kind of job? What do you do? I am in sales. Okay. I'm in the management position, yeah. And and how old are you, BJ? 57. So you, plus, yeah. so you'd probably be looking at a 10 to 12 month severance is what you'd be owed. But again, before we, we get ahead of ourselves, I would want to see this proof that you have. Contact me uh, off air. I want to see it. Review those documents with you. And if, in fact, the proof is there, we may be able to pursue a constructive dismissal right away. BJ, that number, 416-216-5900. Got uh, Lynn from Angus. Hello, Lynn. How are you? Hi. Hi, gentlemen. I just want to, uh, yes or no, pretty much. Is it possible to sue a union that has not helped me? 
Uh, no, you cannot sue a union. What you mm. can do is you can file a complaint against the union with the labor board. It's called a duty of fair representation complaint. Uh, unfortunately, Lynn, I can tell you that those are, are very difficult and it's very rare that they are successful. Uh, but that's your only recourse if the union's not doing your job. its job is filing a complaint with the labor board, uh, duty of fair representation. That's all you got, right? That's all you can do. And, and it's again, it's really rare. I have people calling me daily, almost daily, certainly weekly, saying, you know, my union's not doing something. Can I do something about it? Uh, in most cases, the answer is you probably can't. Uh, it, it's, it's very, very difficult. You're kind of stuck with the union. And oftentimes the union, union may have political reasons as right. to why it wasn't doesn't want to do something. Uh, and you're kind of, you know, as the individual, you're, you're stuck in the middle. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and Lior at employmenthour.com. More of the show coming up. Get to a couple of phone calls here in a moment, but you just got a really interesting email uh, moments ago. Again, Lior at employmenthour.com is that email address, right? That's right. And I got an email from uh, John who says that... Uh, Not me. Not you, not yep. you. Then not, not a plant. Time. That's right, not a plant. Uh, it says, I work as a store manager for over 12 years. To get the job, I had to open a company under my name, and I get paid as a contractor, uh, and in turn, I pay myself. Uh, I feel like my employment is coming to an end soon, so I was wondering if I'm eligible to, to get severance. So essentially, the company says, no, no, you're going to be an independent contractor. In fact, you're going to open your own company. We're going to pay that company, and then you can pay yourself from the company. Uh, and he's been doing this apparently as a store manager for 12 years. That is nonsense. He's an employee. The fact that he calls himself or the company made him call himself an independent contractor uh, and the fact, John, that uh, you, you've been paying yourself in that way doesn't change the fact that in the eyes of the law, you are an employee. The law does not care what you call yourself. The law looks at substance, not form. So if your position comes to an end, you're going to get full severance like any other employee now, you're a store manager, 12 years. I don't know how old you are, but you're certainly going to be looking at something north of a year's pay, potentially much more than that. So if your employment is coming to an end, you give me a call. You're definitely going to get severance. Got Adrian and Barry. Hello, Adrian. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Okay. What do you got a question for Lior? Go ahead. I do. Um, my dad was injured and a company I'm not going to say. Um, and now we they don't have workman's compensation. And we didn't realize that. We just followed the protocol, going to the hospital, getting all the statements. And now we are going through the insurance, um, and the insurance is now um, not uh, not wanting to pay her the entitlement that she, ha- uh, she could not work during the summer for college. Now, um, which insurance? You mean the disability insurance through, be- through work? Um, because they don't have workman's compensation, they have an insurance company. Right. So therefore, um, I've been uh, fighting with them for since May, and they they are not wanting to pay, and they're questioning, I guess, uh, everything that she has done. We have gone to the doctors, and um, she had to she had a concussion, which was serious. Right. And, and she couldn't uh, work we, for a while. Right. She could not. She was not herself. Uh, She had to get glasses. She never had to wear glasses before. Uh, So we fast-paced and we went to a place in Barrie, which they've done a really good job. However, they are covered by OHEP, so the benefits 
Uh, this so, so Adrian, let me let me tell you what to do. You know, the good news is that uh, my partner Sivan Tumarkin, who also does a, a, an insurance show here on on the weekend, is one of the top insurance lawyers in this uh, in this province, uh, and he deals exactly with these issues exclusively. Situations where insurance companies refuse to pay individuals what they owe them. Mm-hmm. So you're going to give me a call off air. John's going to give you the number. I'm going to connect you with Sivan. He's going to help you. Usually one letter or two letters is going to resolve this quickly. Don't fight with the insurance company. You're not going to win. Uh, you need to get Savannah involved, uh, and, and this is not going to be difficult for him to do. Adrian, that number, 416-216-5900 to get a hold of Lior after the show. Advise you do. Got to Carrie in Brampton. Good evening, Carrie. Hi. Hi. Um, my question is about the uh, poison work environment you were just talking about a few minutes ago. Yes. Uh, I've got someone really close to me who's going through that where they get um, screamed at and humiliated and sworn at in, in front of other people. But I'm wondering, is it okay to record that person without them knowing about it, or is that going to get you in more trouble? Like if you have something in your pocket recording all of these, this terrible treatment that they're getting. Good question. It, yeah, good question. It, it, it is not illegal, so you can record someone as long as you're part of the conversation. So you cannot record two people talking amongst themselves, but you can record yourself talking to someone else. So that is a good way to get that proof that of what's happening is to have a recorder and record, you know, being yelled at, being put down, cursed at, whatever it is. That could be all the proof your friend may need to be able to do something about it. So unless there's witnesses or emails or something documented, a recording could work really well. So yes, she can record it. Because I don't know if the witnesses would be willing to right. say anything. Because um, they don't want to jeopardize their job. I don't know. Yeah, and I don't know if um, anything has been done by email. I, I doubt it. I think it's just been face-to-face. So, so recording, and, and that's very common. So yes, she can record as long as she is part of that conversation. If she gets a good recording, give me a call right away and we can deal with it. We'll get to uh, Ali before the break. Hello, Ali. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. You got a question for Lior? Go ahead. I do have a question. I'm calling on behalf of my father-in-law. Sure. He wasn't able to call in. Uh, the question to Lior is, uh, he's been with the same company for 35 years. He's a plant manager. Um, can I disclose the name of the company or not? No, it matter. no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. So don't, don't worry about that. Yes. Okay. So um, the question is, uh, he's a plant manager and he's been working for the same company for 35 years and they're closing their plant um, as of Dece- at the end of December. Right. I'm just wondering what he's entitled to and if they're offering him, uh, well, they're offering him one year. Okay. So first of all, so the plant's closing this year. Did he receive advance notice in writing of the closure? Uh, he received uh, notice, I believe, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. And they say that they'll pay him for a year. That's correct. Well, that's 50 cents on the dollar because he'd be owed two years pay, 24 months. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything less than that for him, plant manager, 35 years, no chance is going to be less than that. So anything less would be a wrongful dismissal. So he needs to call me, Ali. It, it is important. We want to deal with this now. Uh, want to deal, deal with this ideally before the plant uh, shuts down. So, no, a year is not even close for him. Two years paying that, by the way, includes his salary, includes his benefits, bonuses, any other component of his compensation, pension. Don't sign anything. So cannot sign anything, shouldn't do anything before he speaks to me. So really have him give me a call, Ali. Ali, that number, 416-216-5900. Take another quick break. Got some more calls lined up. Hang on the line. We'll get to you all. Before the end of the show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Employment Hour Talk Radio, AM 640.